to me very carefully. You don't live here, do you? You're just a babysitter. Have you been upstairs in the last five minutes? Why? I don't think you're alone in this house. Someone's upstairs. I've seen them moving around through the windows. You should get out of there. Now. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? And it's back, East Society Podcast, 31 Days of Horror. All right, the last two episodes, I came at you with um, uh, the original and the remake of When a Stranger Calls, the 79 version and the 2006 version. Tonight, I am coming at you with the sequel to the original film, and this one is called When a Stranger Calls Back. She was alone in the house with the children. When the phone went dead, Who is it? a stranger stepped out of the dark, and a reign of terror begins. He's inside the house with her. He is out there somewhere. He will go after someone else. I'm sorry, sir. There seems to be some problems. Jill. I'm here, Jill. Carol Kane, Charles Durning, when a stranger calls back. A retired detective and a crisis center counselor hunt a killer stalking a co-ed. The killer's next intended victim is a young babysitter alone in a house with two sleeping children. Mm, All right. Um, IMDb, a young babysitter all alone in the house with two children asleep above is bothered by a stranger. Unfortunately, the phone is dead. Oh, I don't really care. I don't like these, um, two synopsises, but anyway, but this one came out in 1993. Uh, this was a TV movie. So I saw it, uh, when it came on, I guess it was HBO Cinemax. One of those ones. I can't remember. Uh, but this is rated R, hour and thirty-one minute, thirty-four minutes. This is directed by the original director, uh, Fred Walton. So that was cool. Also, uh, same guys wrote it too, Fred Walton and Steve Fecky. I think that's his name. And this stars uh, two returning stars: Carol Kane. She comes back, same characters in the first one. Jill Johnson and Charles Durning, uh, also same character as John Clifford. Uh, but the new cast uh, is Jill. Ooh, I can never say her last name. Sholin, I think that's her name. She plays Julia Jens, a Jean Lithgow, and a bunch of other people. But those, those are kind of the main ones. But all right, and this one. It starts off uh, kind of like the original, but uh, instead of 
somebody calling the house is uh Julia uh she's just she's babysitting uh parents go out she's sitting there doing whatever she's doing in the house homework and then all of a sudden she gets a a knock on the door and she kind of there's no peephole or anything she kind of walks up and he's like hey what's up or hello and this guy's like hey um my car broke down is it okay if i come in and use your phone so i can call the auto club and she's like uh i mean first of all i mean don't let anyone in your house especially at night uh if you're alone uh well she wasn't alone she had these two kids but so she's like um no i really can't let you in or anything he's like well my car is broke down um can you can I give you my information so you can call the auto club? And she's like, uh, okay. So he kind of gives her all his info, name, uh, phone number, uh, license plate n- number, the number to the auto club. And then so she walks over to the phone. Oh, wait, before all, before the actual knock, um, the phone rang and hello, and nobody was there. So she's like, all right. Well, then minutes later, that guy knocked on the door. So, all right. So she gets all his information. She goes over to the phone. She picks up the phone and there's no dial tone, no nothing. So the phone is out. So she's like, ah, kind of sits there a minute. And then she goes back. Okay. Uh, they said they'll be here uh, within an hour. And he's like, um, okay. So he thanks and he leaves. So other than she's just kind of weary of the whole situation, she's kind of, uh, now, a couple minutes later, he comes back and knocks on the door again, and she's like, uh, hello, and he's like, hey, they didn't show up. Um, what's going on? Did you call him? She's like, yeah, I did call him, and he's kind of starts to get a little snippy with her. She's like, um, I called him. I don't, I don't know what, what else to tell you, and he's like, well, can you give my wife a call to let her know what happened and I'm okay? And she's like, oh, all right. So he gives her another phone number and she walks over to the phone and she's kind of like, I don't know what to do. But she picks up the phone because she's like, oh, hey. Uh, no, she she before she did the, the wife one, she called the she pretended to call the auto club. She kind of picked up the phone and went, yeah, hey, I called a few minutes ago and uh, you guys aren't here yet. And then she started going. And blah, 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 blah. And that's what she was saying. I'm not just saying that. <laughs> so um, she that's when she goes back to the door. She goes, well, I called him and everything. That's when he told her, can you call my wife? So she goes, she does that. And then she kind of walks by. All right, yeah, I called her and told her everything. Okay. And he's like, um, are you sure? Um, Can you try again? And she kind of like, Ugh. she's starting to get... Uh, like really ticked off. So she uh, before when she when he first came over, she did go up and check the kids, and they were they were both asleep. But then and all this talking to the guy at the door, she uh, he he came back again, and she was, look, I can't help you. Just go away. I'm not gonna let you in and all that. And then he's like, oh, okay, well, um, can you? Give my wife a call again, or something to that nature. And she, wa- okay, so she walks back. Oh, he goes, you still have my information? She went, yes. So she walks back over to the phone. She wrote everything down, like on a piece of paper, in her notebook. 
And then when she walks back over to the phone, the notebook is right there, but that paper is gone. I mean, it was one of those little spiral notebooks, so you'd have to tear it out of the book. She looks over there, and that paper is gone. So she's like, fuck. She starts kind of looking around, not really knowing what, what where to go. She runs around, starts looking, and then uh, we, get, we get another knock on it. And then she's like, what do you want? And then he was like, well, um, I know you didn't call. So uh, he kind of tells her to, like, go check the kids. When was the last time you saw the kids? And she runs up there. And the children are gone. So she's like, oh, fuck. So she goes, runs back downstairs. And then she, like, runs and opens the door. And then... Because she's, uh, at this point, she's scared. She was walking around the house. Earlier, when she did walk around the house after he first came, she went and checked the doors and everything, see if they were open. And uh, when she was checking the doors again, she went uh, to the kitchen, and there was a sliding glass door. She went and checked that. It was locked. But then later, when she came back, it opened. It was like, fuck. And uh, so she was really starting to get scared. And that's when she went upstairs to check the kids and found out that they were gone. She was like, ah. So she really got scared and she ran to the front door, opened it up, and she looked outside. And in the driveway, there was like a, a white shirt or something. And then she was like, ah. So she went back in the house and shut the door. And then this guy was talking. And he said, like, he started calling her by her name, Julia. She's like, how do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. And he was like, well, look in the living room. So she turned, uh, she's at the front door. She turned to her right and looked, and this guy came walk, walking towards her with his hands in front of him like he was going to grab her, and he had um, something over his, over his mouth. We see the top of his head and his eyes, and then she opens the door and runs out, and then the, the doctor uh, and his wife are standing there. So she's, ah, she screams, and then that's pretty much it for the beginning, beginning part. It, it, it was a long a longer scene, maybe almost 20 minutes of it. It was, it was a lot. It was not like the original film when that first, have you checked the children and all that? That was only like maybe 10 minutes. This one was a little longer. So we flash forward five years later. I mean, the kids were, they, they just disappeared. They, they never found them. Uh, Julia, she uh, went to college and she's still traumatized by the whole event. And, while she's there, she's uh, living in this apartment, and she just starts to uh, notice things. I mean, she's she's really, like, just on edge uh, after the whole situation she had dealt with. So she's uh, she goes over to her closet, and she opens it and looks. And in her closet, there's a, a kid's T-shirt, and she just flips out. And runs to the cops. And then she tells them that, yeah, somebody's been breaking into my apartment. And uh, I, I don't know where that shirt came from. And then so the cops call the uh, college and they want to talk to one of the crisis counselors. And the crisis counselor is Carol Kane, uh, Jill Johnson, the girl from the, the original film. So she goes there and she starts listening to Julia, kind of tells her, can you tell me the whole thing? So she starts to tell her what happened. And um, Jill, she knows uh, what Julia had went through. 
uh, five years earlier. So she was, she was, when she, when Jill was talking to the cops, they were like, well, what's going on? She goes, well, she's been through a lot. Um, I know you guys know what she has been through. So I'm just, I'm just going to help her. So, cause she told she, when she was telling Julia or when Julia was telling Jill everything, she was like, she was like, how do you think, why do you think somebody's been in your apartment? She goes, because things move. And she's like, what are you talking about? She goes, one of my books that are on the shelf. She goes, I didn't really notice it the first time. She goes, but she goes, the book that I have on my shelf, I, I put it in the same place every time. She goes, she goes, and it's, it's moved. It's not in the place it should be. The cops are kind of like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so, but she's like. She's like, I know, I know somebody's been in my apartment. She goes, I live on the third floor. Um, I got the, my locks on the door are triple bolted. So the cops are kind of like, mm, this lady seems weird. But Jill's like, I believe you. So uh, we're, we're going to work this out. So while uh, Julia, she, she kind of goes home. Um, Jill calls. Uh, Charles Durning's character. She's still in contact with him saying, look, there's, there's a situation going on over here. Can you come out? So he goes out to help her and he, she tells him, well, he's still a private detective. So she kind of tells him the, the situation and then uh, they start uh, going, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. Actually, Jill and uh, John, they go out to the house where it all happened in the beginning of the film. Uh, nobody lives there anymore. The uh, realtor let him in, so they start looking around and trying to explain, uh, figure, trying to figure out what actually happened. And then, sure, they're talking the whole situation over on what happened in the beginning. And then he, he kind of comes up with the conclusion. He goes, "Well," she goes, "Yeah, he's talking." She, he was talking to her through the door, but then somehow he got into the, to the living room. And he was like, um, well, he kind of came to the conclusion. I, I can't remember uh, exactly how he came up with this uh, situation. Um, but he figured that um, he goes, this guy that we're looking for, he's a ventriloquist. And she's like, what? And I guess he goes, he can throw his voice. So we kind of need to look for people that could do that. All right, let me see let me see where it says. Julia comes to believe the intruder entering her apartment is still asleep. Having been through having been through a similar situation years before, Jill and the reluctant John investigate the incident from Julia's past and conclude the stalker may be a ventriloquist capable of throwing his voice. Uh, he employed his skill to make it seem like he was outside when speaking to Julia during the original stalking incident when the Sheffron children were kidnapped. As they investigate, Jill and John received news that Julia was shot. Okay, jumping ahead. Anyway, okay, so he kind of he kind of figured that yeah, this this there's, this guy's a ventriloquist because he was like he was probably in the house the whole time when in the beginning. And he was just throwing his voice, so he wasn't actually outside. So uh, he he was hiding somewhere in the house, just throwing his voice. So, um, while they're investigating, Julia is 
still kind of going through uh, the stress and everything that she was sleeping. And then uh, she woke up in the morning and screamed because her window was open to her apartment. And then she jumped up and she told Jill and Jill was kind of, you know, why don't you come to my apartment and just stay there until we figure everything out. So she obviously knows somebody's getting into her apartment and whoever it was came in and opened up the window. Also, she had this uh, diary that she was writing in kind of like a journal and they were reading it and they were saying some, some crazy things in it. So they're like, Oh, that's when she could Jill was like, you know what? Just, just come stay with me. So, while Julia was there and um, John and um, Jill were investigating, uh, they get a phone call uh, and they find out that Jill or Julia, uh, she had shot herself. And they were like, what? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, it's amazing she's still alive, but um, she tried to kill herself. And then they're still trying to think like, what? How did, how did this happen? And then they they go, well, where is she? Go, well, she's in a hospital. And Jill was like, well, where did it happen? They said that she went back to her apartment. I mean, earlier in the film, when um, Jill was just kind of really just, all right, let me work out the situation. She had asked Julie, do you, do you have a gun or anything? And she's like, no. So they went and bought one, and Jill was teaching her how to shoot. And everything. Also, Jill, other than being a crisis counselor, she was um, she was also uh, teaching classes in self defense uh, to to women at the college. So, uh, Jill was not the Jill we saw saw in the first film. She just it was also her this her situation was also bother the bothering her still, but she did something about it. She learned how to defend herself and she knew how to handle a gun and everything. So. When they, when they were talking to the doctors, and the doctor was like, "Yeah, she when she shot herself, she it went it went and when the bullet went into her head, but it didn't kill her. It, it kind of lodged somewhere in her brain." And they're like, "She's all right." And they go, "Is she going to be okay?" And they're like, "Well, at this point, we don't know, but she she should be all right." So while John was out looking for uh, the ventriloquist, he he was doing his own investigation. And he was looking around. He was trying to figure out um, where uh, this guy would have some kind of employment. And then we we do see the guy. Um, the hell was his name? And this, his name was Gene Lith, Lithgow. And he played uh, William Landis. He he has a job at... Uh, it's it, uh, They went to like some seedy part of town and there was like uh topless bars and stuff like that and uh there was one bar that had like a, a show in there and um he was one of the acts this part was kind of weird i didn't really get it okay when I mean, you go to those bars to see the the topless women but this guy he had a a ventriloquist ventriloquist act he was on stage uh he 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 was all in black and he painted his face black and he had a uh, a little ventriloquist dummy, but it didn't have a face. And he just started rambling some crazy shit. And 
the the boss was like, "This is stupid," because everyone in the audience was like, "We we don't we don't get it." And then the 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 owner of the club got mad and just kicked him out. So, but uh, minutes later, after that after that guy got kicked out, John came walking in and he was trying to figure out uh, everything. And they kind of said, "Yeah, he he was here and he just left." So John was kind of looking for him, and then uh, he was uh, he he started following him and he went outside. Uh, John was standing in the alleyway, and so was uh, the other guy. Uh, his name was William. And then so John re- realized, okay, this is the guy that, that I'm looking, uh, the, the main suspect. And uh, the William guy kind of realizes it, and then he starts to run. So John goes chasing after him and uh, doesn't doesn't catch him. So uh, it says, all right, I'm going to read what it says here. John eventually tracks down the children's abductor at the club, what I just said. Where they later performed a ventriloquist at, vent, performs as a ventriloquist, as just as John uh, hip, hypnotized, but the proprietor escape perpetrator escapes. John tracks down the perpetrator to John tracks down the perpetrator's home, and there he finds pictures of Julie in the hospital in Jill's apartment. Okay, yeah, so John he finally well he kind of figured out who he was, guy's name and everything, so he figured out where he lived. So he went to his apartment and got in and he starts looking around and he found all these little like uh, snapshot Polaroids of some of Jill in the hospital. And then um, not Jill, uh, Jill's apartment, as well as Julia in the hospital. So he's like, OK, he, he, he knows what's going on. Um, it says, having returned to her apartment, Jill, Jill notices a carton of juice bearing the faces of the abducted children. Julia babysat. Frightened, she arms herself, and the offend and the offender begins to taunt her. He is wearing makeup that allows him to disappear. All right. Um. So yeah, once they 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 know who he is. So and then that guy's been breaking into Jill's apartment, and he, he starts uh, doing things. Yeah, like I said, she she went into the kitchen to get a drink, and then she turns around, sees something. There's a carton of milk on the counter. And it has the the two kids on the back, so she's like, ah, so she she knows uh, what's happening. Um, Jill goes to the hospital uh, to see Julia, and Julia is just in a coma. So she's sitting there talking to her and trying to tell her everything's gonna be all right. But the room is like pretty much pitch black, except for one little light that's on uh, Julia. So she when she's uh, earlier before uh, Jill came walking into the room, we see somebody kind of in the. In the dark, he kind of sits in. It's that William guy. He kind of looks forward, then he goes back uh, out of the light. And that's when Jill comes in and starts talking to her. So um, after Jill done talking to her, uh, that guy, William, comes out of the dark again. He walks up to Julia and he starts tapping her on the stomach to see if she'd wake up. And then he like starts slapping her in the stomach. And then I, I don't know why he was doing that, but all right. So Jill goes home. And she's still trying to figure out, uh, okay, this, what are we going to do? Uh, John is still out uh, investigating shit. But then Julia's like, or uh, Jill, she starts to hear a voice because he's like, hey, Jill. And like, you can't catch me or whatever the hell. Well, he was saying some ill shit to her. So she grabs her gun and she starts looking around like her apartment and she can't. She can't see anything. Uh, the lights are on and everything except for it was at that night. So there's 
your little lamp or whatever can only light up so much. But she's looking around. She's not really, she's hearing his voice, but she can't find him. She's opening closets and everything. And then uh, she's standing there in front of like a brick wall uh, in her apartment. And then she moves away and the camera's like focusing on the wall. And then it really focuses in. And you can see the the crazy guy, the killer, or the nut dude. He would, I guess he killed those two little kids. They didn't really say because they never found the kids. So they zoom in and he's got makeup. He's like blended into the wall. He like painted himself up to look like the brick wall behind him. It, it was crazy. I mean, I didn't. I had to rewind it and look when they when the, when the camera focuses on you could see him, but when the camera kind of goes by because it's focused in on Jill, you can't see him. And <laughs> so I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I I thought that effect was awesome because he opens his eyes and like I could see you and and then Jill's still kind of looking around, but then he like lunges out and grabs her, and they start wrestling around and fighting, and she's ah trying to get away from him. And then uh, we hear pounding on the door, and it's John. He's like, Jill, Jill, what's going on? She's like, ah, he's in here. So John comes busting in. Oh, and um, no, uh, before he came busting in, uh, the guy, William, he grabbed uh, Jill's gun and shot her. And then she falls down. And then uh, when John comes busting in, he's like looking around. And uh he doesn't see him because that guy, William, kind of blended back into the wall again. He stood there. But then he, he John just starts firing uh, in pretty much uh, every direction. And then he hits William in the, in the chest. Because then he falls forward. And that's when John sees him. And he, we see that he's all painted up and everything. And he's like, oh, fuck. So he goes over and checks Jill. She's still breathing and everything. So... uh. Evil is punished. They didn't really go into it. I, I assume he just died right there on the spot. Uh, we're in the hospital. Jill's in there. She kind of wakes up, and John's there like, hey, how you doing? Uh, you'll probably be here for a while. And she's like, oh, okay. And he goes, kind of like, oh, thank you for helping me and all this. And he goes, well, you're not in here alone. He goes, what do you mean? She goes, you, you got a roommate. And he kind of moves this curtain, and Julia is laying in the next bed. And then Julia kind of wakes up and turns her head and looks at her and smiles. And then that's that's the end of the movie. So it's good that Julia uh, came out of her coma. Jill's alive. Uh, evil is punished. Uh, but I, I really like. I thought this one was good. It was good. It was good for a TV movie. Um, I, I did like the ending. I liked how he just kind of blended it. There, there's a, a lot of plot holes in it uh, on what was going on with them. And I really didn't kind of get why they tried to well i understood why they tried to make him a ventriloquist but uh some of the stuff where they were showing with him was was it was a little boring in one or two parts but um it was pretty good i mean i liked what was going on and um i i only saw it the one time when it came on tv and i never really went back to it again uh scream factory was having a sale on their blu-rays and i oh this is here so i bought it and uh, I watched it, uh, but yeah, it, it was a good sequel. I liked what was going on because I know the director, they, they wanted a sequel to the original back then, but he was like, how can I make a sequel? He's dead. <laughs> so 
they kind of just, all right, well, whatever. So he didn't really think about it anymore. But years, years later, he said he was kind of driving around out in the country and he was like, I wonder if my car broke down and what if I went and knocked on one of these doors? And he kind of came up with the idea for the story. So that's why he sat down and wrote it. And then uh, it was cool that uh, Carol Kane and Charles Durning came back to reprise their roles and everything. But yeah, the movie was, it was what it was and it was pretty good. I liked it. So, but definitely check it out. I believe it is streaming on Tubi, if you guys uh, use that. Um, if you haven't seen it, I might spoil the whole movie for you. But <laughs> uh, it was decent. I liked it. Um, let me see. Is there a budget for this? I don't see anything. Uh, oh, it, um, it originally aired on Showtime in uh, April of uh, 93. I guess I had Showtime then. I don't know, but I remember sitting there watching it when it was on TV. But uh, some people say this movie, it's dumb. It wasn't a good uh, sequel, but I enjoyed it for what it was. It was a TV movie, so you take it for what it is. But uh, when a stranger calls back, I say definitely check it out. So but with that, uh, that's going to be it for my when a stranger calls movies. Did all three of them for you. So, uh, yeah, but all right. Um, that's going to be it tonight. Uh, come back tomorrow for more so until then be safe and party on